You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. My name's Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at the church. Uh, welcome to North Valley. Uh, boy, this is our last Sunday. So, we're, yeah, we're excited about that. Let's, let's celebrate that. God's been incredibly faithful. We've been meeting here over 120 Sundays uh, over 200 uh, plus services, and uh, today is our last Sunday at Harkins Theater. Uh, God's, uh, you know, even Mr. Harkins, we wrote him a letter a few uh, about a, a, a few about a year and a half ago, and we asked if we could move to two services, and we didn't have the money to pay for the exuberant fees that kind of edge into more of a, a prime time hour, and we just said we need a Christmas wish. Uh, would you would you think about it to give us that at a discounted rate? And uh, he said yes. And uh, lives right here in the valley. And uh, you know it's been so cool. The community's just been responding so well. Um, this morning, what I want to do is give you just kind of a little update on our campus. Um, we're planning on being there next east. Uh, this not next Easter. This Easter. Um, and I want to share with you a couple stories. Um, you know, this last week we worked on getting 500 tons of decomposed granite over to the property. Watch this video and notice the guy in the truck. His nickname is Tank. So watch this. Hmm. us out with a lot of gravel truck runs. This is at Madison Granite and we are in the truck. We got the, what is that guy called? The loader. Isn't that cool? My wife said a couple months ago, she said, Ryan, the Bible says that if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And, uh, you know, it just takes a look. This morning, we're going to be talking about faithfulness and what that looks like. And as I look back on the journey with North Valley, it's, a, it's marked by incredible uh, levels of faith. And so, you know, what's really cool about the story of moving that decomposed granite onto our parking lots is literally that's a mountain. That's the mountain right on the Sonoran foothills just north of uh, CVS and all that on the right-hand side as you drive north on North Valley Parkway. That's, that's, these mountains are uh, on our property. Um, this morning, as we look at this uh, uh, teaching series, as we wrap this up, I want to read to you a couple faith-filled stories about how God's used this teaching series to impact people's life today. It marks the end of our time together in the Song of Songs. I hope that you've enjoyed it and been encouraged and challenged if you're single, giving you a, str- a stronger paradigm and a vision for what a marriage should look like. For those of you that are married, uh, maybe a renewed commitment to walk this thing out in this journey uh, called marriage. Um, and the truth is, is, I'm sure for many of you singles that aren't even in the, um, in the mindset to date or anything, there's so many timeless truths 
that are applied in every area of life that we read God's word together. God's word promises that it'll never return void. Uh, no matter what is being taught out of the Bible, there's a truth to it that has a timeless uh, relativeness to our own personal life. Uh, I want to read to you just a couple of uh, testimonies or share with you a couple of stories. Here's one um, from uh, Dr. Ray Love, I like to call him. He plays in the band, uh, serves in our church. Uh, he wrote this to his guys. Uh, he carbon copied me on an email uh, to our worship team and said, Hey guys, uh, you all know this marriage series is really changing lives. It's changed my life. And it'll be huge for me not to go down that road of divorce ever, ever again. After doing it twice, um, I'm finally realizing I must stop and listen uh, to God's, God's word and God's ways. Uh, he says, for me and, and my wife, we're going to the next level. Isn't that cool? Let's celebrate that just for a moment. Uh, today, I'm going to send out a, 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 an email uh, as a survey to take five minutes of your time. It's important for you, if you're single, whether you're married, to fill out that survey on the Love and Marriage series survey, uh, just to let us know uh, what God's been doing in your life through this time together. Um, another couple that I just want to highlight to you, they're on our website. We is uh, a couple in our, my neighborhood group, uh, Ryan and Taryn. I think they're here uh, today in uh, this service. And it's been really encouraging. Uh, Ryan and Taryn came to our church about a year ago, and uh, somebody invited them, and they saw the signs. And, I mean, you can't miss a sign with North Valley, you know. I mean, we, we are the sign kings in this community. Uh, we, we help the other churches figure out how to build them. And hey, just so you know, every time we drive by another church sign, we pray for them and we set their sign up, you know. Uh, but I want to uh, tell you, just Ryan and Taryn, they jumped into our church. They were new to the, new to the uh, uh, North Valley and they jumped right in, got in plugged into a neighborhood. I was so proud of them for doing that, taking those steps. Been married just a couple of years, got a beautiful kiddo. And they just told the story on, the, on our website, you can read about it, but how this marriage series has played a key role in strengthening and renewing and, and reviving and strengthening their marriage uh, and finding new friends, you know, in the, in the community. So I want to encourage you uh, to share your story about how God's been faithful and how his word has been faithful in your life and uh, what's been going on in your life. Here's what Proverbs teaches us. It says, uh, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Um, faithfulness is not flashy in American culture, but faithfulness is, is foundational for every Christ follower. What we're going to learn in today's message is that faithfulness is living it out. It means literally that you are a faith-filled person and you're making a commitment in a, in a relationship first with God and then with other people. You've got to live as a Christian at a level of faithfulness. It's actually an evidence and a sign of your own salvation and your own sanctification. That's the process of growing in, in Christ-likeness. To be faithful means this. It means to be full of faith and not empty of it. What I mean by faithfulness is we're going to learn this morning as we look in this closing section, a storyline in the Song of Songs in this relationship. It's about being faithful to the end. It's about being full of faith and not empty of it. It demonstrates itself in a loyalty and devotion and service. When we look at the passages of Scripture this morning in this love story between Solomon and his bride, we see an, an incredible amount. I think the gal in the storyline is the true hero in my eyes. 
because uh, she is very likely as well the woman that's mentioned in Proverbs 31. Uh, she is a woman of noble character. And she expresses and demonstrates through her life an incredible level of loyalty, devotion, and in service. That's exactly is what is needed in the art of marriage to uh, live out this art of faithfulness. Faithfulness is a reflection of God's own faithfulness supremely in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. When you're faithful to other people, specifically in, in a relationship with anybody, it's a reflection of God's faithfulness to you. The Bible tells us that even while uh, we are unfaithful and we blow it, He is still faithful. He doesn't change. He was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His character never changes. And so as we approach this subject of unfaithfulness, you could come in with a sense of discouragement or despair of, of thinking about your past and about the things maybe that you've done and you've demonstrated unfaithfulness. God wants to renew you today to be full of faith, not empty of it. He wants to restore you as a person, not just for his glory, although he wants that, but also for your good. When you walk in a level of faithfulness, uh, in a relationship, you are demonstrating and reflecting the very own uh, supreme work of Jesus Christ. So this morning, here's what we're going to see as we talk about this uh, love and marriage series, and I introduce it to you. Um, we're going to see that the brothers are going to speak up for the very first time in the book of Song of Songs. The brothers are going to speak up, and they're, they're being used by God's providential care to care for their little sister. The scene that we're going to enter into this morning is kind of a flashback of her childhood and her adolescence and growing up, and really what is to believe by many a single household family. In the book, uh, her brothers are mentioned multiple times. God is mentioned multiple times. Uh, her friends are mentioned multiple times. Solomon is mentioned, but her father is never mentioned. What I find very hopeful and promising that even in difficult situations and circumstances, God is still faithful. God will raise up people in your life, friends and family, to help you walk and live a life that's of faithfulness. And so what we see in God's providential care, the brothers for the very first time thinking about her childhood as a young girl and about how she's going to navigate this long journey uh, to uh, a pathway to purity, uh, remaining uh, pure until the day of her marriage, the brothers are going to speak up. And they use some interesting language to describe her immaturity. They say this, we have a little sister. And it almost sounds like a tease. They're teasing her and they say, and she has no breast. She's immature. She's undeveloped. She's young. And then they ask a very important question. They say, what shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? What's going on in, in this uh, context here is that it was very uh, culturally um, uh, much part of the everyday practice is that if the father was gone, the brothers would step in. They would be uh, of the one to receive an inheritance, the first uh, oldest male in the household, and oftentimes brothers played a fatherly role when dad was gone. Maybe that's the way it is in your household. Maybe you grew up in, in, a, in a fatherless home where dad wasn't around. 
And you got to ask the question, how, or maybe you are a single mom and, and you don't have a husband right now. And you're asking the question, can I still find God's faithfulness and his favor for me and my child and, and the life ahead of me? Absolutely, you can. What's incredibly optimistic and hopeful is to see how this young single girl is raised, in essence, by her brothers and by her mom to develop into such a godly woman of character who models faithfulness fantastically. I've got a little sister named Isabella, and uh, this, this last week I had the privilege uh, to meet her down at GCU. She's going to be a freshman uh, this fall. She flew in from Little Rock, and uh, I got to meet her down on the campus and have lunch with her. And, you know, what's surprising to me is that despite uh, maybe how I teased her, and how I, uh, maybe me and my brothers, I've got two other brothers, we were uh, tough on our little sister from time to time. Um, she still looks up to us. Mom, mom and dad told me the other day that, that we, her older brothers, were one of the strongest influences in her life in the area of work, faith, school, and relationships. You know, God providentially provides people in your life, and it's so important that you slow down and you realize that if you're going to live out a faithful life filled with faith, trusting in God, you need to recognize your circumstances is not a dead end. God will provide the right people at the right time as an act of his faithfulness upon you to help you live for him. What goes on with this young gal is that she's got two brothers and her brothers are going to help her live out a pathway to purity to prepare and she's reflecting on that. And it's so important that we acknowledge that. The first principle of faithfulness is faithfulness always acknowledges God. If you're going to be faithful, you've got to realize that God is the one. He's a, he is a faithful. He's a promise maker, a promise keeper. His ways are better than our ways. Here's what Proverbs tells us. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your straight your paths. Some of you are, uh, you've gone in, in, in the way that you have chosen to live right now, you're feeling unfaithful. You're feeling discouraged, depressed, um, and, and you're concerned. And what the Bible says is that in, in that situation, whatever way you have taken right now, if you would stop, slow down and acknowledge him and say, God, I know that you're bigger than me. I know your ways are better than my ways and I need help. Would you send the right person at the right time? into my life. Acknowledging him is incredibly important for your future. Acknowledging him that he is all powerful, all merciful, that he is faithful even when we are unfaithful is so important. We serve a God who loves us, cares for us, wants to be involved in our lives, and will use people in our lives to demonstrate his faithfulness. You know, as I think back about the storyline of North Valley, it's I'm so excited to see how God uses, um, you know, people in, in our life, like the guy that was in the truck tank to show up on a Saturday and to, uh, and to just help out and serve. The Madison Granite and all those guys who donated all the DG for this church. God uses different people in his providential plan. And it would be foolish of me or for any of us to not acknowledge him and say, God, you're at work. When I look back at my own life and I think about the family and the friends that I had in my life, there were people that had a voice of wisdom and they spoke a word of wisdom into my life. 
and it really shaped my uh, trajectory as a young man. The first principle of faithfulness is always acknowledging God. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Wherever, whatever way you find yourself today, acknowledge Him. The brothers are smart. They're going to form a plan in her adolescence to protect their little sister. And they basically have a pretty simple plan. They want her to be pure. They don't want her to be sleeping around, messing around, hooking up, shacking up, or breaking up. They want her to remain pure. And so they have a plan. Okay, plan A, if she's open and, uh, or if she's closed off like a wall, we'll build on her a battlement of silver. In other words, if she's closed like a wall, she has a defensiveness about her that she is not going to be, uh, uh, she's not going to open up the gates of her relationship with anybody. She's going to protect herself. Um, then they say, then we will. Uh, build on her a battlement of silver. The metaphor being used here is that they're going to build her up, not break her down. And then they say, if she's a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. In other words, if she's going to be open to any relationship, any guy of any kind of character, we're going to lock her down. They want to board up the house in a sense. What does it look like to be a wall or to be a, um, a door? If you're a door and you're open to any relationship or some of you parents have daughters and you're concerned about them and their level of openness to other boys or for some of you singles that are in a relationship and you're very open in your relationship emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, there's trouble there. Um, if you're married and you're very open, you're like an open door to the uh, secretary or to the neighbor or to the mailman, you're in danger territory. What does it look like to be open uh, for our families? It could look like this. If you're open when uh, the boyfriend asks, hey, can I get your number? The girl says, yes. Can I have your email? Yes. Can I uh, call you at, late at night? Yes. Can I text you? Yes. Will you, can, uh, will you send me pictures? The girl says, yes. Can we go out uh, late at night and sneak out? Yes. Uh, do you want to make out? Yes. Do, do you want to go out and party late and do this? Yes. That's what an open door looks like. And the brothers speak to that and say, if she's a door, we're going to bar her down. We're going to lock that door. We're going to protect her. You know, to be a wall looks like this for you ladies. Guy says, any guy of any kind of character takes interest in you. Hey, you mind if I get your number? I want to call you. Yes, or I'm sorry, no. No, you can't. Uh, do you mind if I text you? No, that's okay. Do you mind if I call you? No, that's okay. Uh, well, what's your profile on Facebook? No, that's okay. Can I come over? No, you can't. Can, can, can we talk later and I see you later? No, not really. That's what it looks like to be a wall. And when it comes to the area of faithfulness, you've got to decide what you're going to be. Are you going to be a wall or are you going to be an open door? God's given you this beautiful uh, life and you're to protect yourself and be open for other godly uh, people, friends and family to help support you in a life of faithfulness. As you're faithful, you will find more and more of God's blessing upon your life, more peace and more blessing upon your life as you walk in faithfulness. 
The second thing uh, that we're going to see is this principle of faithfulness is that faithfulness always accepts help from others. That's exactly what she does. She accepts the help from her brothers. She accepts, accepts the help from um, her mother. And Proverbs says this, listen to advice. Be open to that. Accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. You know, it's incredibly important to listen to advice. Some of you, um, you're not really open to advice. You don't listen to advice. You hear advice. Hearing and listening are two totally different things. Listening means really what you take into uh, what's being said seriously and you seek advice. You know, if uh, you don't accept instruction, when somebody confronts you or challenges you, you, you dismiss instruction. Accepting instruction is when you're hearing uh, godly wisdom from godly counsel. If the person that's confronting or challenging you on something, if they have a life that's a, a good character, you ought to listen. Don't seek advice or counsel from people that aren't godly. Don't do that. God's words are timeless. His ways are always better than our ways. It's so important that we realize if we're going to live a life of faithfulness, we've got to accept help from others. You're not a cool uh, husband or a cool wife if you constantly reject help from others. What's really cool is when you turn around and you say, hey, I know by all my own doings, I will live a life of unfaithfulness and immorality and I need God's help. I need my friend's help. I need my church's help. I need help. That's okay. Bible says is that when you humble yourself, God will exalt you, that he blesses you. God, the Bible says is that when you are prideful, he opposes you. The Bible says is that when you're humble, that he'll lift you up. So to accept help from others is something that's normal and important for the Christian life. Principles of faithfulness, accepting help from others, is exactly what she did. She speaks up and she reflects. Her brothers kind of teased her a little bit about her immaturity, and now she speaks of her maturity. She says, I was a little more mature than you think. This is what she says. I was a wall, meaning I did not open myself up to everybody, and my breasts were like towers. What she means by that is that she was, she's more mature than what maybe they were giving her credit for. Brothers have a way of doing that, of teasing their sisters from time to time, but what, what is going on here is that she sees herself as one who had remained pure. She was faithful. She was faithful. How'd she do that? Very practical. She said no. The third principle of faithfulness requires saying no. What do you need to say no to? Who do you need to say no to? If you say yes to everybody, you'll be like that open door. You'll open up that door for everyone, anytime, any way, and that'll deteriorate and destroy uh, your marriage. If you're going to be faithful in anything, you've got to say no to some things. The more you can say no, the, the clearer you will be on uh, the vision and the mission that God has for your life. Faithfulness always requires saying no. In Song of Songs 8.4, this has been echoed multiple times throughout the text. Chapter 2, verse 5 and 3, uh, verse 15. This idea, this phrase, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. For her to become everything that God intended for her to be, she knew that she had to say no. And it results in peace. Look at this. The fourth principle is faithfulness always results in peace. 
She says, here's what happens. When, when, when you live a life of faithfulness, as I did, she says, then I was in his eyes, and that's Solomon, as one who finds peace. She found peace, a deep level of peace. The result of faithfulness is peace. When you decide to live a life of, of faithfulness, you acknowledge to the Lord when you're unfaithful, God, I'm unfaithful. The way that I have chosen was unfaithful. The Bible says is right there when you acknowledge him, he'll help you come and make those paths straight again. Get back on the pathway to faithfulness. God's, God is faithful. He's a promise maker, a promise keeper. He's true to his word. When it comes to faithfulness, you can be assured it results in peace. This is a New Testament promise as well. In Galatians, the Bible talks about uh, one of the evidences of our faith is this fruit of the Spirit. When you're growing in a relationship with God, He promises to produce in you a level of faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and this peace, this peace that surpasses all understanding. If you don't have an easy peace on your life right now, maybe you're living unfaithful. And you say, how do I deal with that? What do I do with that? You just go to the Lord in your way today. You acknowledge him. God, I don't have any peace about this situation or this person or this circumstance. And you go to him and God is faithful. Even though you might have been unfaithful about a situation or a circumstance. And he says, my peace I'll give to you. I'll give you that peace. Walk with me. Trust in me. Acknowledge my ways are better than your ways. And so we see faithfulness always results in peace. When we walk in faithfulness, we'll experience a, a level of peace. And you say, well, what if the decision I make is even really difficult and it results in more conflict? Because that's happened even in this marriage series. I've heard some married couples say, well, you preached on this and I drove home and then we got into a fight. <laughs> and I'm like, well, but it's kind of like taking the Band-Aid off and cleaning out the wound. Sometimes you got to do that. But what happens is when you deal with the problems, there's a sense of higher level of peace above your pain that you say, I know that it's difficult and it's hard. Emotionally, it's not feeling good, but I got a peace about this. There's a great peace that comes in walking according to God's ways. When it comes to your life as a married person or as a single, you got to ask this question, will I be faithful? If you're not faithful as a single, why will you be faithful when you're married? Why would you? Well, oh, well, because I'd get all my desires met. No, you won't. No, you won't. Uh, being married is, is challenging. Um, being married is great. It's not for everybody. Uh, but being faithful is for everybody. Faithful as a single, faithful as a married person, you've got to be faithful. Um, and you say, how do I do that? If you spend time with God, he'll produce that in you and through you. It'll come out. And as you do that, as you grow in your relationship with God and you say, how do I do that? Well, be a part of church, hear God's word, read God's word, talk to him on the way to work, talk to him in all your ways. Just acknowledge him. Just say, God, today, I'm going through a tough time. I hadn't been able to work through this conflict in my marriage or this person or this or that. I need your help. Would you help me? And the Lord promises to be your assistance. And you say, well, how does he show up? He'll show up in a, in a very practical way. I don't know if you ever heard the story before about the individual uh, that was um, in a flood zone. 
and they're uh, down in, in a flood zone and they send out the emergency teams and they say, hey, you got to evacuate your, your neighborhood, your house, because there, there's a massive flood coming. And if you don't leave, your house is going to be washed away. You will drown and die. We've evacuated the neighborhood and you got to leave. And the individual says, well, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm praying to God right now that he's going to miraculously show up and save me. And they say, okay, holy roller, we'll see you later. We'll come back maybe later, but you got to leave. And then uh, they say, uh, the guy continues on. Water begins to pour down. Floods begin to fill into the neighborhood, flood the house. Guy gets scared. He goes to the top of his roof because the water's coming in. A boat comes by. And the guy in the boat says, you got to leave this neighborhood. The, the dam is broke. The water's filling in. This whole community is going to be underwater. You, you've got hours to live. Guy says, no, 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 no. I'm fine. This is my house. God shall deliver me. I am waiting on a sign from him right now. And he will save my life. And the guy says, you're a fool. And drives off on his boat. Next guy uh, comes by and he's in a helicopter and he shouts out in a megaphone and says, hey, you got to get out of here. We lowered a ladder for you. Here you go. Uh, you, this is your last chance. You're going to die if you don't get on this helicopter. And the guy says, no, 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 I'm good. With God, everything is possible. The guy in the helicopter says, what an idiot, let's go. And uh, sure enough, the guy dies. He drowns and dies. Gets to heaven, meets the Lord, and says, God, I prayed to you. You didn't, you didn't save my life. I was waiting on you. And he said, what are you talking about, fool? I sent somebody to your front door. You said no. Then I turned around, and I, I brought a boat, and that guy invited you in. And I turned around, and I sent a helicopter to pick you up, and you still didn't get in, and here we go. Now you're here. The question is, is uh, you know, how has God placed people in your life to help you out? And you sit there and you say, well, I don't know, God. You know, I, uh, I'm trying to see how, you know, this person that you, that you want me to respond to or whatever. Listen, if, if there's godly wisdom there, take it. If it's godly advice, take it. And see it as God's providential hand upon your life. That he's providential by meaning that he's not only sovereign and control of all things, but providential in that he moves people around. Your next door neighbor, your coworker, the doctor, the church. Those people are kind of like God's special agents in which he's placed there. And you say, well, how do I know to trust them? If they're saying things that are godly and wise, despite any of your circumstance, you can trust God's providentially at work in your life. That's exactly what happens with this young gal. She has not a perfect situation. She doesn't have a dad around. And the brothers begin to speak up and care for her. And it results not only in a deep level of peace upon her life, but a generosity as well. Look what it says. She's generous with herself. She says, faithful, uh, my vineyard, my very own, is before me. You, O Solomon, may have a thousand, and the keepers of the fruit, two hundred. What she's doing there is she had grown up in a household where they worked in a family vineyard, and it was very normal uh, to be able to pay back to the landlord whatever was owed to, to the landlord. 
They would rent, she literally ran a literal vineyard, uh, which would produce grapes, which ultimately would be turned into wine uh, all throughout uh, Israel and the Palestine area. She was from the mountains of Lebanon, and very likely Solomon was the landowner. He's the wealthiest and the wisest king of the day. And she uh, very likely fell in love with Solomon in her youth. And what happens is, is their relationship takes off. And over the period of time in their dating, um, she has likened her relationship to a vineyard. She uses agricultural metaphors to describe their physical love and attraction. And she says this, my vineyard, me, my relationship is before me. And O Solomon, you may have the thousand. The thousand is in reference to what a normal vineyard landowner uh, would uh, produce the profit and, uh, and be able to give back and, and invest back into and help out uh, with the landowner. And then and the keepers of the fruit, 200. What she's acknowledging is that her brothers were at work to cultivate her character. And he wants, she wants to acknowledge uh, their uh, investment. She says, uh, in a sense, a metaphorical sense, uh, Solomon, you may have all of me. Everything is yours. She generously gives herself. And to the keepers, that would be her brothers, she says, uh, 200. What she means by that is that she wants to give recognition and appreciation and acknowledgement to her brothers as God's providential caretakers of her, uh, her body and her relationship uh, with Solomon. Solomon speaks up, and for the first time in the, in the text this morning, and says this, O oh, you, he's talking to her, O oh, you who dwell in the gardens with companions, listening for your voice, he says, let me hear it. He not only acknowledges her character, he acknowledges her beauty. He loves her companionship. She has become to him a best friend. Um, they are married at this point, and they, yet they continue to date. And he says, I want to spend time with you. And then she responds, um, she responds back. We'll read that in a moment. But here's the principle I want to uh, talk to you about is Solomon find her, finds her incredibly attractive because of her faithfulness. Faithfulness increases one's attractiveness is the sixth principle that we'll learn here this morning. In the New Testament... Um, the Bible talks about not being uh, attractive simply by outward appearances, but the inward beauty is so important. It says, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Why is it so precious to God to have a gentle or quiet spirit? Because I think if you're abrasive and loud, then you can't hear God. If you're abrasive, overly talkative, and uh, loud all the time, then you probably have a hard time listening to the voice of the Lord. And what God calls us to do as men and women is that to listen for His voice. His voice comes through that wise counsel. His voice comes from that providential plan to send people into your life when you're in dire straits or in a tough situation. Like that guy on top of that house, God was providentially working that out to rescue him. And so many times we can miss it. 
we can think, God, you're not at work in my life. God, you're not doing this. But if we quiet ourselves, we realize, man, God is at work. And what makes us beautiful, handsome in the eyes of others is the level that we'll trust and walk in a level of faithfulness to the Lord. True beauty doesn't come from the exterior. It comes from the interior. Guys, you could be married to the the most beautiful girl in the world, and if her interior uh, character is uh, in a terrible situation, you have got yourself into a heap of trouble, and you will hate it. You go to the, uh, where do you go to find the prettiest uh, married couples in the world? You go to Hollywood. Where do you go to find the ugliest relationships in the world? You go to Hollywood. You know, uh, looks don't last, and uh, looks can be deceiving. All that shimmers is not gold. What's more important for you as a man or as a woman is to cultivate this inner beauty, this inner uh, attractiveness. And you as a Christian, single or married, will develop an irresistible influence on the lives of others that's attractive if you decide in bold faith to walk in faithfulness no matter what the circumstances are. And God promises he'll give you peace and resulting in a level of generosity that you'll be able to share your life more, you'll be able to give your life away because you have a steadiness and a peace upon your life. God's word is timeless. Faithfulness always increases attractiveness. I find my wife to be more and more attractive over time. She's like good wine. Over time, it gets better and better. She responds to his request. In songs, Song of Songs 8.14, uh, she responds and she says, Make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountain of spices. In other words, she's excited about the journey ahead. And isn't marriage that? Isn't it a journey? Aren't there hilltops, mountaintops, and valleys? There's always uh, something before us, a challenge that we're going to have to face. There's always uh, the next mountain to climb. You can see that. But so much of life, too, is in the valleys. And so here she responds, and she says, yeah, come to me. Make haste, my beloved. Be like a gazelle. Come fast. I want to be with you. Young stag, you're strong on the mountain of spices. Here's the seventh principle of faithfulness. Faithfulness is a journey. It is a journey. If you're going to be faithful in anything, you've got to understand it as a journey. No matter where you're at as a single or a married person, you need to realize life is a journey, and your call is to be faithful in that journey. Don't give up. When you fall down, remember that you have one. If you stop and you acknowledge him, he'll help you out and get back on straighter paths. When you don't see life as a journey, um, you're going you're gonna to miss the big picture. You can get uh, swamped in the pit of despair and you'll be discouraged so much beyond that. And what you need to do and recognize if you're in a, a swamp of, of despair or discouragement or depression, you need to realize when God sends a person into your life, to help pull you out, take the hand. Take the help. God will use people in your life as his providential plan and purpose to help you navigate through life. Marriage is a journey. Marriage is a journey. You'll have hilltops, mountaintop experiences. You'll be in the valley. And oftentimes in marriage, you're not on the mountain most times. You're actually in the valley. But where does fruit grow? Does it grow on the mountain or does it grow in the valley? It grows in the valley. 
God wants you to realize there'll be mountaintop experiences in marriage. And if you're going to be faithful in the journey, you're going to have to be willing not only go to the top of the mountain, go to the next level, like Ray said earlier. If I would stop, when I stop and when I listen to godly advice and godly counsel, I'm taking my marriage to the next level. That's what he's saying. This morning, as you're confronted with the challenge of uh, walking in a level of faithfulness, either as a single or as a married couple, you need to do this. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Meditate on this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You won't understand everything that goes on. You're not supposed to. He says, in all your ways, submit to him. No matter what way you've chosen, no matter how unfaithful you've been, I'm asking you to submit to him. I'm asking you to humbly uh, say to him, I acknowledge you, Lord. Your ways are better than my ways. And he will, here's the promise, make your path straight. He'll give you a peace and a vision as to how to navigate this life in a level of faithfulness that will bless your relationships, specifically in the context of marriage here today. Here's, here's the take-home truth for all of us. God is our greatest example of faithfulness because he's always faithful no matter what. I want to invite the team up, and I want you to meditate on this passage of Scripture as we look towards our Savior in the coming week ahead uh, as he was faithful. And here's the promise. If we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. So you can't change God. You can only change yourself. If we're unfaithful, you've been unfaithful in your marriage or in your relationship, uh, no matter what area of life the Bible says, even in your unfaithfulness towards Him, towards anybody else, God remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself, meaning His character is immutable. You can't change Him. God is faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the time together in Your Word. We pray, God, as we look at the uh, art of faithfulness, would you make that a greater ambition upon our life? Though it's not flashy or at times fun, we know it is greatly rewarding with a level of peace. God, we pray in every area of our life, from the living room to the classroom to the boardroom, might we be found faithful in every area of our life, not only for our good, but for your glory most of all. You are the greatest example of faithfulness. And Lord, we want to be faithful too. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.